Welcome back to Adolescence After Alderaan. I'm Caroline Guthrie. I'm Meg Fariello. We are a podcast dedicated to retracing our adolescent journey through the Star Wars Expanded Universe, one book at a time. See, yeah. See Happy where New it takes Year. us. Happy New Year. We're back, baby. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, it's almost our year anniversary. Yes. I, I looked it up the other day. February 11th is our anniversary of when we first... Posted an episode, but we started recording around this time last year. Yeah, in January. Yeah. I was thinking actually, um, that maybe like Splinter of the Mind's Eye would be a good. Ooh, a good anniversary. Because that was the first like actual expanding. Yeah. That that might be like a good. But yeah, I mean, we have a small but great dedicated fan base. If you guys have like questions or. Yeah, we love are interested in we love love hearing from people who are listening. Um we hear from people on Twitter and yeah. we are not as attentive to the Facebook page as we should be, but we'll work on that. We're on Instagram, so anyway you wanna yeah, New Year's resolution. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway you wanna talk to us. We love we love chatting and if you wanna if you have any questions or suggestions or anything like that, then we are always open. You yeah, can always reach out to us. About, like, an anniversary episode. So yeah, we're talking about like questions or yeah, you know, comments, books you want us to do. Books, yeah, suggestions, ways to bring in Harry Potter or Arrested Development that we haven't thought yeah, of. More. <laughs> 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 yeah. Basically, every episode, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So we're we're back from from our holidays, and we yeah. are reading Truce at the Cora by Kathy Tyers. Yeah. Which I think is a good book to like come back to after a break because it is not the first expanded universe book, but it is l- literally the like first story that happens after right. there, Return of there the Jedi. There could not be a story that takes place sooner after yeah, Return of the Jedi. A day after? I think it's a day after yeah, it is Return of the Jedi. A day after the end of Return of the De- Jedi. And so we start with Luke, and I read this book sort of in segments over a week or more, which is very unusual for me. So I might be fuzzier yeah. further back. Okay. I read it all today. Okay. <laughs> um, the opposite experience. Yeah. So we start with Luke, and he's, it turns out, experiencing some physical ramifications from being struck with lightning a bunch of times. Yeah, which makes a lot of, as I was reading that, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, that would not be good for you. <laughs> no, yeah, he's having, yeah, he's having some physical, he doesn't seem to be having any mental problems from, like, finding out that Vader is his. No. He, he seems pretty cool. He's, pretty cool. like, 100% <laughs> chill with that. That does not affect him at all. It affects Leia, and we'll have to talk about that. Yes, I think so. But, um, so he's totally chill. He's raring to go. He wants, like, to get on to the next adventure. He helps Wedge out with a situation that ends up being kind of irrelevant, but yeah. he's... We need to talk about his and Wedge's relationship, too. <laughs> yes, another... He <laughs> seems... <laughs> Very close to Wedge in a way that does not come through. No. We've got to drop a lot of pins <laughs> in this as yes. we go. <laughs> like, let's put a pin let's in this. Let's put a little marker, <laughs> a little marker there. And uh, yeah. so the rebels 
Oh, that's the thing he helps watch out with. Okay, the rebels intercept an imperial mm-hmm. distress call, like a someone yeah. sending a message to the Empire, like, hey, this is supposed to be your whole thing. Come help us out. And it turns right. out a sort of remote planet called Bakur is ex- Bakura, because that's where the truth is. Yeah, but where the truth is at. Yeah, <laughs> right. So a remote planet called Bakura is experiencing some kind of freaky alien invasion, and the aliens are taking prisoners. They're trying to take as many prisoners yeah. as they can. As they can. Yeah. And so then... He, like, saves Wedge's life. Yeah. He did, yeah. There's something about the message that... Like, the message dangerous. came in a container that if you tried to open it too soon, like, that was a real problem. Well, apparently you'd explode. Yeah, there's the problem. But he saves Wedge, and the, they yeah, receive they, this distress call, and uh, it goes to Mon Mothma and Admiral Akbar. Uh, and that guy with the beard who Yaya. hangs out with Mon Mothma. Yeah, Medine. Yeah. Like, Medine. Yeah, he is a great... I was thinking that. I was like, oh, that's the guy with the great beard. Yeah. Like, he has a really <laughs> solid beard. Very well. Like, why don't we talk about this written. guy more? Like, why isn't he more... I He, sh- he should be as big a character as yeah, like, get, any of the others. Give this guy a... Give this guy something but, to do. But anyway. um, So, yeah, so they go to, to the sort of higher-ups in the Rebel Alliance, and they're like, well, you know... We just had the, a war. We just had a war, but the, the best thing to do... Yeah. Would be to go and help. Leia basically says, right. if we go help now, maybe that will help convince planets that have been loyal to the Empire to like flip over to us. Right. Because nobody, it's literally been minutes, 13 hours. <laughs> nobody knows that the Emperor is dead. Yeah. Like, it hasn't really spread. And the, at some point, I forget, I think maybe it's Luke who thinks that like it's going to take like months or even years for people to actually like find out. Yeah. That, and like believe that. Things are right, different. And truly believe. Right. So they're sort of going to use this as an opportunity, like a diplomacy opportunity to be like, you know. Hey, we, we, we won. Let us help you out. And right. let's all be chill with each other. So Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie and 3PO and R2-D2 um, and various other rebels who aren't important for the story head off to right. Bakura. Where we yeah. meet. And so Leia and Han and the, or 3PO are on the Falcon. Mm-hmm. And for some reason that I'm not 100% sure about, my mom is like, hey, Luke, you be in charge. Yeah. Of the fleet. Of the fleet. Yeah, she makes, just makes Luke the boss. Yeah. So he's Commander Skywalker and he keeps forgetting, like, that he's supposed to be telling people what to do. And then he's like, oh, yeah, do what I say. Yeah, like, I'm the boss. <laughs> well, oh, Side note for a second. How old? They keep referring to Luke as young. Yes. Which I, I guess that he is. But has it been five years since A New Hope or three? I My timeline is always a bit. I think it's five. It's five. Okay. So Maybe. he's 23. Yeah. But let's say he's max 23. Right. Yeah. Between like 21 and 23. Yeah. Because it's got to have been at least five years since A New Hope. They've been through so much. Yeah, so he is he is quite young. Yeah, so he's like yeah, he's he's very young. He's like he, we could be teaching him, right? Like he's not that yeah. far off from And he that really he should be being taught. That kinda of changes my perspective on him. I'm like, okay, he's doing the best he can. He's he's in his early twenties. I mean he's doing the best he can, but also the Lu- I f- pin in it. The right. Luke from Return of the Jedi, I feel like is maybe not I don't feel like he reads as that young in Return of the Jedi. 
I feel like no. I feel like it's, maybe his confidence is. I feel like in Return of the Jedi, he comes off as more like thirty than like twenty three. Yeah. So anyway, they go to Bakora, and mm-hmm. so there's a few sort of things about the way Bakora works that it took me a really long time to feel any kind of solidity yeah. on. Really? But, okay, so Bakura is a imperially controlled planet. Yeah. And so they have a um, governor, an imperial governor, and his name starts yeah. with an N, and... Neris? Sure. Neris. Okay. And he's, and he's bad, and he has the most power on Bakora. And he seems to be assigned by the Imperials? Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's from the top. He's outside in. And then they have sort of like a local um, planetary parliamentary system that is elected by Bakorans that is sort of more locally controlled, but People who are elected to that receive imperial training. They've gone to the imperial schools. They've been pretty much taught to be imperial. And they are sort of expected to fall into line. And if they rock the boat too much. Right. Yeah. And there's an important historical point, which is that they were pretty recently taken into the empire. Like, it's been only maybe a couple of years. Yeah, because they're kind of like outlier outlying planet yeah they're, they're like outer rim planet it's like not so, a juicy so there position was a, yeah there were a number of rebellions that happened not that many years ago to try and overthrow like mini rebel alliances on bakura trying to overthrow the imperial takeover so it hasn't been all that long since imperials have no, been like in control the, the the pre-imperial bakura is still in memory and then there's yeah, also remember, an imperial yeah. fleet that's stationed at Bakora that answers to the governor nearest. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so in that system, we meet Gariel. Uh, Who we've, we have met before. Yes. But the, our characters have not. Right. <laughs> so we are introduced to Gariel, who I guess is also quite young. She's probably like 20 or something. Yeah, well, she says at one point she's kind of the same age as Leia. So, so 23. Yeah, and I, I looked yeah. it up, so uh, we were, it's split the difference. It's four years. So, yeah. <laughs> so Luke is 23. <laughs> Everyone's like 23. And she. Yeah, early 20. Yeah, and she's one of the, she's in the Senate, the, the parliamentary system, whatever it is. And, but she's totally has drank the Imperial Kool Aid. She. Yes. Yeah, she's totally like, thinks the Empire is all for the best, maintaining order and stability, and she's friends with some, like, kooky old people who don't think that way. <laughs> yeah. We'll to them. Yeah, and her uncle is the Prime Minister right. of Bakura, who is an elected or, like, Bakuran official, not an Imperial. Right. And related. he's not very Imperial friendly. No. No. And she doesn't have parents? Like, I don't remember reading. Oh, her parents died? Presumably. When she was very young. I, f- I think I, I think I, re- I remember a passage about her talking about her, like, relationship with the sort of older yeah. people. I, it seems like her parents either perished in, like, the sort of rebellions or 
I don't know. It seems like when she was very, she seems to have had a, especially knowing what her end story is. She's yeah. very tragic. Yeah, she's a very tragic figure. Tragic life. And she, but her religion. Yeah. The other important thing is that religion. And do we even know what her religion is? Is it the cosmic balance? Is that's what what it's called? Is that what it officially is called? I feel like maybe that was capitalized. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I believe. Um, religiously, she has grown up with the idea that Jedi are bad because of their sort of like superiority to other beings right so she has a like a religious uh sort of negative connotation to jedi as a group right so she thinks that the universe will always will always balance and so balance, yeah. anytime someone ha- anytime someone gains power like a jedi someone else somewhere else loses power so right. jedi through using the force are damaging the universe in right. some way. They're like draining the universe of right. They're like it's balance. They're creating an imbalance that will have to be that will correct itself in some sort of like damaging way. Yeah. So she does not like Jedi, which is a shame because there's a a fresh faced young Jedi coming for them to make eyes at each other. <laughs> well, yeah. It seems like he makes most of the eyes at her. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's reciprocated to the very end of this book. Yeah, so... And then there's... We're also... So we're sort of... We get all the... We, we get introduced to everyone as the pieces get put yeah. into place. We also meet Dev, who... Oh, yeah. boy. Dev is... He's sad. Dev is a sad. real, real sad character. So the thing yeah. with Dev is that... His stuff is written from his perspective, and it kind of takes yeah. a while to figure out what's going on with him because yeah. it, he yeah. is a human who is working with these aliens. The yeah. Cyrus. They look like dinosaurs. I Googled them. They just look like dinosaurs. They just look like blue dinosaurs. <laughs> so they're the, the Cyru or something like that. Yeah, C- yeah, Cyrus, Cyrus, and um, they also get I, called yeah. fluties because they communicate by whistling. Yeah, they sing. They, yeah. Uh, uh, Kathy Tires, who wrote this book, describes their speaking as like singing. Yeah, a singing, lot of whistling sounds. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like R two D two. They she even yeah. talk about. Um, so their thing is that they are. They definitely believe that they are superior beings. No other creatures mm-hmm. have souls or any kind of importance and they their droids their battle droids or whatever run best when powered by like the energy of the human soul so basically (laughs) so they are using technology to yank people's souls out of their bodies and use them as like droid batteries yeah so they're basically like taking humans they call it entecking? Yes. Entechment? Yeah. Um, and putting them into these, like, you know, uh, machines and basically sort of using their minds and souls as fuel for their Right. Ships. And so it's like, and the, the human minds maintain, like, some consciousness but are stripped of free will. Yeah, they're stripped of free will. They don't need to, like, eat or sustain them. They're, like, completely sustained by the machines it seems like or yeah like they're sustaining um, the machines um yeah. and it's like battle droids drones stuff like that and yeah so basically right instead of using like droids like 3POR2 they're using like machines with humans yeah inside them yeah um and dev 
Dev, um, he's got a very tragic story. His mother was training to be a Jedi, but for some reason... She went into hiding when the Empire came along or something. Right. Um, and so he also has has Jedi skills, and so he is not put into intentment because he is, or in techment, um, because he is pretty useful to them. Right. Um, as Because they cannot feel the Force, or they're not Force-sensitive at all. Right. They're sort of, yeah, outside the Force. But they, or they at least, yeah, they can't sense it. But he can use the Force to help, like, calm people down for entechment. Um, yeah. And he can, you know, so that they have a better survival rate. And he does other things for them. And, yeah. and he has, like, a... It's, it takes, you're right, it sort of takes a while for it to become clear, but he has sort of a push and pull relationship with them where he, like, understands that he is being manipulated and that he is being forced to do these terrible things, but also has some kind of, uh, like, emotional connection to them because his parents are gone and they took him in. So, right. It's like a weird so, initially, back and forth. when he's presented, we're, and we're from his perspective, it seems like right. he's just like loves them and he totally buys right. in everything they say and he really believes in Techman is the best thing for humans and he desperately wants to be intact and he is so ashamed of like his lower gross human form right. and he just like adores them and then he'll slowly he slowly sort of starts to come out of it. He slowly starts to feel uncomfortable with what they're doing or not quite right about it and as he yeah. comes out of it they have this sort of like hypnosis or mind control process where they, and they just sort of like pull him back under again. So yeah. he's not, he doesn't actually love them. He's just being constantly like rehypnotized into thinking that he does. Right. He's constantly having yeah, his yeah. brain wiped and constantly to keep him under control. But it takes like over half the book before you realize that like he's not. Right. He's not actually bad. He's not actually bad. He's not actually on board with it. He's, you know, yeah. being. And they've had, and he's he's young, like he's maybe only like fifteen or something, and they've had him for like yeah, five years. Kid. So yeah, they describe him as being like a like a young kid. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much. Um, so that's all the yeah. So that's sort of, we, we sort of yeah. We get sort of them. You know, not a ton. We actually don't get a ton of the flutie is the no only really through route. like Dev's perspective. I feel right. like. Um. So and they after are some very scary. Yeah, they they are I I'm I was impressed by the villains yeah. of this book cuz they're actually scary. Um in a way that Thrawn never never was. This, never was. This, uh, governor dude would could kick Thrawn's ass. Like he was Yeah, I the villains of this book I think were there was a we could talk more about this, but there was a right balance of sort of showing and not telling and yeah. sort of um, giving you little hints of what they're capable of throughout to make it sort of build up. Yeah, it really works. So there's a lot of things that I guess we can talk about. In some, but basically what happens is the Cyru decide that if they capture Luke, because he has all this, he has the ability to mentally connect with people across the galaxy, yeah. they could use him to remotely in tech people. That they could capture yeah. Luke and hook him up to a machine and then use him to just rip souls out of bodies all across the galaxy. And the Alliance people initially make a truce with governor guy, but he even, but then he's like, you know what? Nope. Let's just give Luke to the dino people to save. And he does, they don't really believe that the emperor is dead initially. No, he's very skeptical of that claim. (sighs) What else happens that 
need There's to get a lot out of, there. I mean, I think, I think, um, we see a lot of Leia, like, doing what Leia should be doing, which yes. is, like, diplomacy. So Leia, um, is put in charge. So Luke isn't put in charge of the fleet, but Leia is put in charge of, like, actually trying to connect and make a truce with these people at Bakura. Um, and we see her actually do that, which I think is rare. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But then um, the governor has Leia arrested. He yeah. Which doesn't happen, I think, until quite yeah. a ways into the book. Right. Um, and, um, yeah. She's arrested. She's put in, like, house arrest. Yeah. Um, you know, Luke has fallen in love with Gariel. Basically. Almost instantaneously. Oh, on sight. Like, um, he, and so he, and he, he hears is the constantly song. trying to be like, yeah. Some enchanted not, evening. Jedi are not terrible. We need to talk about, we need to talk a lot about, about that. Um, he fixes, you know, they, an old lady's, he fixes an old lady's brain. Right. Yeah. There's an old lady whose son had died in the rebellion and her, her husband is, is very much on side of the rebel alliance, on the side of the rebel alliance. And he, she, uh, had been brain damaged by the Imperials. Yeah. Like, Gariel thought she just had dementia, but it turned out that the Imperials, as her punishment for taking place, taking part of an uprising, had, right. like, damaged her ability to form long-term memories so that she was just sort of helpless and... Yeah. And she's kind of, like, a badass. Like, yeah. And Leia's a badass. Like, Leia headbutts a dude and, like... Yeah. Like, like we see Leia actually do, like, physical action and... um I don't know what Hans... We could talk about that. I don't really know what No, I, that's what, I'm just trying to, like, get to the end of the book so we can, like, go back yeah. to all these pins so, that we so placed. So, eventually... Ooh, we find out that the uh, commander Thanos, yes, who is the like imperial military commander that's been placed Epicora, Epicora, um, had infected Luke. No, that was with, the governor guy. Oh, the governor, but they're working together. Yes, kinda. Well, yeah, but it, it wasn't manip- the governor's manipulating the material the, the military guy well the, yeah well the material the military guy answers to the governor the governor has was like here's a great idea for how we take care of the rebels right. and the aliens at the same time i'll in fact i'll put this parasite in luke's food that will egg pods these which are again horrifying these it sounds so gross yeah it was gross really nasty so it. these like egg pods in the food that will hatch in him burrow into his bloodstream worm their way into his lungs, causing him to, like, hack and choke to death. And then once he's yeah. dead, they'll, like, crawl out of his body and infect other things. And Right. In, right. And it will take out all of the, the Syru and, you know, problem solved. And I think he te- after he does that, he tells the military guy about it. So he's like, don't get Luke on your ship, because he's got a... Right, he'll infect. He'll right, infect okay. everybody. Um... And Gariel also ends up accidentally eating one of the pods, but the governor guy gives her the antidote. Right. Um, and she still has to, like, hack it out, though, and it's disgusting. It's so gross. It's a lot of, like, coughing and Yeah, and then, like, hacking up. They talk about, like, blood spatter and (laughs) (laughs) hacks and big sticky things in your mouth. But Luke ends up on the Siruk, Siruk's ship. Um, he forms a very fast connection again. Yeah, he like, to Dev. he like, t- 
he like re- he, Luke uses the Force a lot in this book, which I find yeah, which I think is refreshing like. because oftentimes we don't see him using the Force. But he now. just like <laughs> reaches into Dev's brain with the Force and knocks out just like decade the whole five years of brainwashing. Like right, it's yeah. all gone, and Dev's you know ha- has all of his memories, but none of the influence anymore. And he's just like, oh my god, like we got to kill all these aliens immediately. Yeah. Um. And the Syru obviously try to kill Dev, and they're actually going to attack Dev, and it's totally chilling. But uh, then, yeah, this stuff is all like yeah. legit, very exciting. This whole yeah, and very scary. Like I, I it was yeah, like all of the stuff with, from the time the Syru take Luke, all the stuff with Luke and Dev, I was like on the edge of my seat. Um, yeah, and Luke ends up, and he like goes into the Syru engine and uses the force to like communicate with each individual like soul that's trapped in there to like yeah. guide them into letting go so that they can I mean die yeah. but be released. Yeah. Um and they're all pretty gung ho for it. And yeah. so he beats the Syru, he kills them, but Dev gets electrocuted really badly. Yeah. Definitely. And then he gets they get yeah. picked up by Han and Leia and Dev ultimately does not make it, and Luke and Gariel go their separate ways. They just share one one kiss, and oh. <laughs> and then like I guess that's it. I guess that's it. But like, it was great. It was really great. <laughs> it was a great. Okay, so sort of big picture. Yes, I was thinking about this today. Like, why does this book work in a way that some of the others? That is a don't? big question. And I think one is a is a uh, a criticism we've had, I think, from the very beginning of us doing this project, is that sometimes there's just too much. The books take on way too much, right? And there's too big stakes, you know. And even though this book obviously has very large stakes for our characters, it's so focused on one task and sort of one area right we are only on bakura pretty i mean we start on endor but after that yeah we're at bakura let's go somewhere and tell a story yes the the our heroes are on bakura the villains are on a spaceship right there bakura we are all right there and we're also very limited in the amount of characters that we're dealing with, yeah. which I think is, you know, I, th- I, I I compare this book a lot to the Crystal Star in terms of the structure yeah. of the book, which is that here is a, a problem, a very specific problem our characters are going to try and deal with, solve that problem. Yeah. And there's nothing else, you know, and, and I think too, which, you know, I... I don't know that it can't work, but I think like the butting up against Jedi, Return of the Jedi, um, works so well. It, well, I think it really helps. I, I don't know at what point it occurred to me, but I felt like it really helped that they were like they're still underdogs, right? They're not the yeah. highest ranking governor, government officials in the galaxy. They're not the most famous people out there. They're not, you know, like legends yeah. they're not you know the president of the galaxy or whatever they're just like still military figures right they're still yeah, just like right. young scrappy rebels and they're not being taken very seriously and there's other people who are more powerful around them and they're up against the odds like i think that that helps yeah. a lot 
Yeah, and and sort of the beginnings of of what we eventually become, sort of the story arc, I, so far at least, of the expanding universe, which is like the the new rebellion trying to like recruit, yeah, people. Like this is this makes so much sense, like in a way that uh, you know you think about the Thrawn trilogy or you think about Jedi Academy and our like criticism of those books is how like sprawled it gets yeah that like well like every character is doing something completely unrelated and it's like why are you guys all in the same book right yeah and it makes sense why all these characters are are in the same book and it makes sense why it makes sense why at this moment in this time in our star wars sort of history this is a problem right that that there's a planet who's under control of the imperials who's in deep deep trouble and there are no imperials to come and help them what do you do? Like, it just, it, it is such a clear objective and a clear story arc. And it makes for such, I, again, I'm not sure Han really has much to do. <laughs> well, there was one point really early on <laughs> when they were, like, having their conference call about the Bacoran distress yeah. message. And so Leia is still on indoor with Han. Yeah. And they're, like, conferencing in. And Leia's right, the right, one right. who's actually on the call. And Han is, like, laying on the bed behind her, playing with a stick. <laughs> and just, like, right. making comments. Like, yeah, just like, his main role in this book is to make, like, snide comments. Yeah, just, like, making snide comments and while he like, plays with Leia, a stick. You're not, you're not safe. Like, just, like, overprotective. Yeah, like, they definitely, and I was just like, get ready, this is the rest of your life, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just playing with sticks. It's <laughs> <laughs> like playing with sticks and wondering what Leia's up to. I yeah, feel like it's real- bad. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like oh, it may have been better if we narrowed down even further and, like, just sent Luke. Like, don't even bring Han and Leia. Let them just, yeah. like, have a vacation have going be like, Right, you know, Han... I don't really need you for this. Why don't you hang out with the Ewoks? They seem to need. They seem to need. Oh, that was really sad. There's a, a moment in the beginning where they talk about how they're helping the Ewoks like bury the dead. Yeah, the dead. And I'm like, oh, it's really depressed. <laughs> like, just Han could stay and like bury Ewoks. <laughs> it's really Dig depressing. Teddy bear graves. That can be his <laughs> It's not funny. It's just, <laughs> the sentences. It's just like, it's really, like a lot has happened. That's the other thing too, is that like so much has happened the day before. Yeah. Like, I don't know how Luke is functioning well, there's, as a human like, being. Like a medical droid is like, you are about to be dead if you do not. Like, yeah, he's like, no, I'm fine. What's Wedge doing? Like, <laughs> his obsession with Wedge. I have a lot of questions about. Well, Luke is, like, very, like, kind of obsessed with, like, he's got, I mean, he does the same thing with Gariel, right? It's like, this is a person who you actually barely know, but that you're, like, weirdly obsessed with how they're doing. Yeah, he's obsessed with everyone, except Han, maybe. He's not quite as obsessed with <laughs> He's not obsessed with Han, but he's obsessed with Wedge, he's obsessed with Leia, he's obsessed with Gariel. Gariel. I mean, he's, okay. Let's oh, he's obsessed with Dev, he's obsessed with, uh, that, that commander thanos guy yeah he's he's obsessed with everyone he meets it makes me think that maybe he needs like 
to sit down and talk to someone he also about, about what's happening. Is constantly imagining Yoda like nearby. Yeah, what the heck? Because so so throughout the book, well not not a lot, but once or twice he he actually talks to like the spirit of Obi-Wan who shows up. Yeah, once, right? Like what? once. I guess once. Anakin shows up to see Leia right. at one point. Or like in a dream. Right, which, which I we gotta talk about that. Put a pin in it. We'll get to it. But um, Luke, for some reason, keeps, like, yelling at Yoda. <laughs> He's not there. <laughs> He's constantly, like, imagining Yoda, like, judging him or imagining Yoda hitting him or imagining... You need to talk to someone about, your, like, the time with Yoda because that seems to be a place... Imagining like... Yoda laughing at him, like... He, like, really has a problem. With Yoda. <laughs> like, everything he does. Which, like, I get. I do get. Because Yoda, you know, was challenging. Yeah. And he didn't spend a whole lot of time with Yoda. And he had a very sort of fraught relationship. You know, minimal, but fraught <laughs> relationship with Yoda. That blew my mind. Because I kept expecting Yoda to actually show up and be like. Right. Say something to him. him. But Yoda never and showed up. And it seems like, you know. He he's maybe upset that Yoda didn't teach him enough, which I get because it was like rocks. Okay, <laughs> like it wasn't a lot. <laughs> yeah, don't judge a book by its size. Yeah, we know. Like you know, it wasn't a whole lot of information. Um, but it doesn't really get get delved into no. in this book. Yeah, but like yeah. So I have a lot to say about Luke. I don't know how we're gonna do it. <laughs> it's like it's really exhausting. I almost like. I mean, and again, like you, we texted this afternoon because we can't help ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said it's maybe one of the best versions of Luke. We've I think had, this is the best which, one. I I agree. I and I think part of that I was thinking about this today as well. Like, why is this the best <laughs> version of Luke we've had? Sleeps the least. And I think it's because it he is in this very emotionally precarious moment right that like yeah. and he's also only 20 right however old we decide he is 23 yeah he's also only 23 right he is a jedi who is completely by himself he has no other jedi around to help him figure out what it is that he's doing um he's never he's had a girlfriend out, never had a girlfriend was in love with his sister until yesterday which yeah. we have to talk about yes because it gets talked about a lot in this book um that he is, he should be struggling and is struggling in a way that, like, 10 years down the road, he should kind of have it together. Right. Like, I think this is a Luke who should be a mess and is a mess. And also, Mon Mothma rolls her eyes at him in the beginning of the book. <laughs> I noted that and said, that's the beginning of Mon Mothma's, like, yep. cannot stand this like kid. This, <laughs> this one, not this one. <laughs> you know, he- I mean, we're going to put him in charge of the fleet because we have no one else better. <laughs> But it's not my first choice. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> but, like, he also, like, is he is very quick to use the Force um, yeah. in a way that he does not continue to be. And very quick to use the Force on people in a way that, like, I think makes a lot of sense for him in the time where he is. But sometimes does seem a little, like, dubious. Like, there's one part where, like, a guy says hi to Leia and Han has, like, this jealousy freak out, which makes no sense. But yeah. he does. <laughs> and... Luke, he, Han notices that Luke kind of looks at him and then Han suddenly like basically doesn't feel jealous anymore and later yeah. he, like tells Luke like don't do that like don't do that to yeah. me like let me feel my feelings <laughs> yeah yeah he's mad at Luke yeah but Luke does that to people that kind of thing to people 
all the time. Like he's oh, always ready to use force suggestions on people, to force heal people. Yeah. So like he's really eager to to use the yeah. force without regard to boundaries. Um Yeah, which is such a change from books where like he barely uses the force. Yeah, just at to be all. like, I wish I had some hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, he's he's so interesting in this. But book. like he, I found him really. And also, you see that tendency of Luke's to really invest and buy into like a redemption arc yeah. is very present here. Like he's already telling people like Darth Vader is the one who killed the Emperor. He's not telling people that Darth Vader's his father yet, but he's totally like chill with it he's as soon as he understands what's been going on with dev like he's thinking of dev as his apprentice and like imagining his future yeah, with dev hey boy. Like, <laughs> you are my angel you know, like, i'm gonna take care of you and teach you to use the force and we're gonna have a great time together yeah which like i want to say like he's too old luke we've learned this lesson yeah like don't <laughs> dev is dev is too old no um, um yeah and it seems like he's also and and i i really commend kathy tires for like tackling some of this and because i i don't think it's something that most of our authors have addressed like all all of what you're saying and also this sort of like his complicated relationship with leia which yeah kathy tires is like not afraid of the fact that the only woman who has ever tongue kissed him is his sister and he was in love with her addresses like she says like yeah he was he was super in love yeah like yeah basically says that there's like a weird moment where leia comes to him for sort of like emotional support and he essentially like sends her back to han to be like yeah he's who you're supposed to be with But I think it also is a really good explanation for his, like, immediate attraction to Gariel, which is that, like, well, Leia has... Leia's you know, too much my sister. And- Leia's too much my sister. She's, like, obviously very involved with Han. I need, I need some, like, I just need to, like, take this energy and, like... Right. And here's another, like, smart, sassy government right. lady about the same age. Like, right. I will make her love me. Right. Which, like forgive some of that sort of instantaneous like he literally looks at her and is like you know his tongue rolls out of his mouth like a looney tunes cartoon like it's just an immediate attraction to her um and i think that sort of like underlying theme of him like trying to come to terms with the fact that like well leia is actually like i've spent all these years sort of focusing on her she's my sister like that's not it's not an option right not an option um and and seeing and like he seems uh, this comes through I think more in the end than throughout the book, but he he has a sort of confusion about like what he's supposed to do as a Jedi, and he's like, well, should I have children? Like, should I? Yeah, like he doesn't you know, know. He doesn't know what the next step. Like, should I be making more Jedi? Should Leia and Han be making? Which was <laughs> a moment. <laughs> Another thing we need to talk about. But maybe that's a good moment to talk about Gariel because. Yes. She was really something. Um, she was something. I did not care for her. But <laughs> I didn't either. Good. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if Caroline hated Gariel. I did not care for her. But I didn't I didn't like her for reasons that are different than why I didn't like her. Right. No, Corellian she wasn't trilogy. useless, but like it was it was pretty early on because like when, when we were introduced to Gariel. I'm pretty sure, like, this could be wrong, but when we were introduced to Gariel, she is either, like, soaking wet or recently dry, 
and she is barefoot <laughs> and like barefoot wiggling her toes. She wiggles her toes <laughs> a lot during this book. She's really into being barefoot and like she's just gotten in from like standing in the rain. Like it's raining outside and she's yeah. just like standing in the pounding rain. I was just like, oh boy. Like this, is, she's like a very manic pixie dream girl kind of figure. She is. That's in a great. Here. Um, she's yeah, like barefoot and wiggling her toes and in the rain and she's very into this sort of like Star Wars version of um, pseudo hippie-ish kind of religious yeah. stuff like like she would say yeah. namaste at inappropriate times or you know like yeah she's sort of like new new agey yeah she's like new agey that's what Star I was looking Wars. for like Star Wars version um, of new agey and yeah, I just I and she seems to just book, be like, like around mostly for like uh like male characters to kind of lust after because Luke has a thing yeah. for her and also the gov- the imperial governor has a thing for yeah, her a thing for her too. Yeah, yeah, I like couldn't really figure out why Luke found her so intoxicating except for the fact that she's like I hate Jedi and Luke's like but you but like a Labrador he's like but you gotta love me. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, she's also just like another woman his age when was the last time he saw one of those yeah i mean especially like in your 20s yeah i i mean i don't know how much we should be getting into this because i don't know how much there is to actually like dissect but like luke's understanding of relationships and romance what is it (laughs) i mean I feel like Luke's got a real, I mean, like, you know, his only model growing up was Owen and Baru, and they loved each other, but God knows, you know, like, Owen wasn't a romantic. Yeah, he wasn't, like, a, a you know, public oh, display of affection. Owen wasn't a, like, wasn't a flowers for no reason kind of, kind of guy. Yeah. And it was all behind, I feel like with Owen, <laughs> my interpretation of Owen and Baru's love life is that, like, it was all behind closed doors. Yes, like a hundred percent. Like, if you saw them together, you'd think they were just, like, good pals. Yeah, like, but they were just roommates. They really did love each other. Yes. It was just, like, they had a connection. They only di- displayed affection, like, Set privately, and I think that Tatooine bedroom, right? I think that nowhere. (laughs) I think that Owen's like love language is more in like actions and taking care and providing, and like he's not going to sit down and tell you how he feels, right? Like if they ran out of blue milk, he would you know (laughs) pop to the store early in the morning and make sure. Yeah, like she never had to ask, you know, like right that kind of stuff. Yeah, but no flowers, no romance, no like you know, candlelit dinner. No, that. And so, like, (laughs) and I think that, I think Luke's idea of what romance is is very, like, in whatever stories it was that he was reading. Yeah, well, I think About swashbucklers in the academy. Whatever Biggs was telling him. (laughs) Oh, no, Biggs. Biggs, I don't know. Biggs is probably telling him about, like, (laughs) the dates he was going on. (laughs) Like, really exaggerated versions. Uh, yeah, my idea of like Luke's idea of romance is like what my idea of romance was when I was watching Star, Star Wars. Hundred like, percent, yes. Like, like the fact that Leia came to him as like a princess in distress. Yes, like that solidified his idea of what because he talks about it in this book about like you know a new hope basically yeah. when he first you know became a part of the Rebel Alliance that like his main goal was to like protect Leia right to like save this woman who was in distress yeah there's also a weird moment where Han I think he's thinking about basically that he just wants to have sex with Leia 
Yeah. And Which they don't actually say, but no. imply a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, imply a lot that they're having trouble having sex. Whatever. But, um, I don't really <laughs> can talk about that. <laughs> but at one point he's thinking to himself about like how what he's really interested in is leia and not like the the rebel alliance and the line is right. han solo hatton and han solo hatton exactly joined this picnic for the war effort what is what does that mean what picnic this, this book really brings han down oh han does not come off well han solo is not kathy tyre's well. favorite character no which it's fair, yeah. but he does not, he doesn't come off as, he come off, backtrack, he comes off as useless, but in a calculated, like, Kathy Tires is writing him. Yes. That way. Not that she doesn't know what to do with him. Right. But it's just like. No, she is making a that, choice. Right. To say that Han is literally there to protect Leia, to try and have some, like, alone time, air quotes, with Leia. And, like, that's it. Right. That he is insecure, possessive, kind of right. condescending. Like, yeah, that everyone sort of still sees him as, like, a smuggler turned kind of good, but questioning his loyalties. He doesn't do, like, there's no moment of triumph for Han. None. In the way that there are moments for Leia and Luke. No. In this book. No. Han is not, not a He's good not showing. He's the day. No. He basically shouldn't have come. Like, yeah, we should have left Han at home. <laughs> it was, it was a mistake. <laughs> he was to bring Han. He does not help. Like, there's one part when they're still on the Falcon, and Han has obviously told Chewbacca, "Like, I want to hook up with Leia." Yeah. On the way to Bakora, <laughs> and Chewie don't interrupt. Us. And Chewie was like, "I'll take care of it." So there's like, yeah, okay, like I'll a love sure. nest in the Falcon that like Chewie has put together. Like, he put a bunch of pillows on the floor and arranged them. You can't see my face because it's a podcast, but I'm making faces. <laughs> and then, like, later, like, they're trying, like, like they're acting like Leia and Han have not had sex yet and are just, like, trying to get there. That's ridiculous. But that's <laughs> insane. Like. You know by Empire that they have had a ton of sex. Like, definitely. They've definitely had a ton of sex before Empire and that, like. Yeah is the only thing that explains their dynamic in Empire, right? Like, they've had tons right. of sex, and then Han's like, I'm gonna leave, and Leia's like, okay, bye. And Han's like, why aren't you sad right. I'm gonna leave? Just like, it wasn't that big a deal. Like, that's the only thing that explains right, their right, dynamic. Right. Like, because the only thing that makes sense for Empire is their... Leia thinking about how her dad wouldn't have approved of Han, and like, it's all real gross. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, dodging the point, kind of. Like, because there is no sex in this book. No explicitly no have we gotten it at all in star wars has anyone had sex in star wars oh um corin horn oh wait did with he? that lady i don't know if he is. no the- he was just planning to <laughs> okay he, Cor- no he didn't have sex with her but he thought about how if he did it would be amazing right, right. <laughs> that's like the closest we've gotten does anybody get to have sex ever? I mean, like, Han and Leia obviously had sex because they had kids, but then Leia, like, had children, and somehow, like, there was no childbirth, so. Right, that's true. It's just, like, a very, um... It's just weird to, like, keep implying that they want to, like, do it. Like, just let them do it. Like... Yeah, yeah, that's what I was sort of thinking at one point in this book. I was like, well, just let them, like, have a moment and... Yeah, but they never do have, like, a sincere... That's the thing, like, it doesn't feel in this book like their relationship has progressed at all from Empire. Like, they're still... 
Yes. Fighting. There's still, like, back and forth. There's still a lot of, like, resistance and anger going back and forth with Han and Leia. Yeah. As if... There's, like, a moment where Han called Leia Leia instead of, like, some sort of snarky nickname. Right. And she's like, he called me Leia. <laughs> like, it's, and I'm like, at this point, like... <laughs> that's where you're still at yeah it's like nothing in after the like last after cloud city happened in their relationship like that was not their relationship in return of the jedi at all in return no. of the jedi they were all like someone who loves you i love you you know yeah, hold was, me yeah, like super moony moony i think i'm wondering if this is okay so maybe this is a good time to talk about leia and vader yes because this is the first time we get any in-depth discussion of Leia coming to terms with the fact that Vader is fought. And my interpretation of what happened after Endor is that Luke like came sauntering down and was like, guess what? Vader's dead. And also, guess what? He's our dad. <laughs> well, no, he, <laughs> he like, told super- her in Jedi. Oh, that's right. No, we told her that. He, oh, he did tell her in he, Jedi. He told her in Jedi. But he seems to have come off of the off of from you know i think that like he came off from what happened and was like guess what our dad was a good guy at the end right right that's what i mean like like, he seems to have like told this story to leia and been like our dad was the best right (laughs) like forget everything that happened forget the fact that he blew up your planet yeah he was a hero and he loved us so much like he, he came so he came to tell he wanted me to tell you that you were right and like he is real sorry that all that stuff happened and he right. loves he's us super, he's like my bad <laughs> i'm so sorry he loves us and we love him and right and it's we're great. a family now even though he's gone and leia's like no <laughs> she, leia's leia's having a lot of difficulty with as what makes sense is that you know and she keeps talking about Bail Organa and how, like, that is my real father. And, like, no matter what blood ties or, you know, what the truth is, like, that is the man who raised me. I'm not going to think about it any other way. Yeah. And anytime anything reminds her of Darth Vader, she gets real jumpy and upset. Yeah. And, and she's super self-conscious about, like, her own actions resembling his Vader at and all. And then Anakin Skywalker showing all the emotional intelligence of a Skywalker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Those> Skywalker. <laughs> appears to her as a force ghost in a dream to be like, hey, baby, daddy's sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> like, not even that sorry, just sorry. <laughs> just like, you know what? I made some mistakes. It's like, my bad. And and she's like, (laughs) what you gonna do? (laughs) And she's, you know, like, I I hate you so much. I want you to go away. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You're not my father. And he's like, whatever you do, I'll be watching you forever, baby. (laughs) If you ever need me, just call in your mind and I'll ghostly appear to you in a weird, creepy way. Yeah. (laughs) And also tell your... She's like, no. (laughs) Also, tell your boyfriend I'm sorry about torturing him that one time. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, like, oh my gosh, she does. It's really terrible. It's really scary. Yeah, it's really weird. But then by the end, she's like, well, okay. Yeah. And I've never really come to any. I'm not sure where the transition point is, but at some point, yeah, she's, I don't know. she just says, like, and now I'm okay with it. Or, yeah. Wait, that's it. Is towards at the very end. So, on the other hand, if Anakin Skywalker cared to look on, that wouldn't bother her in the future. She'd found her peace in the midst of battle. 
Okay. Okay. Now she's over it. She's going to name a kid after him. I'm really curious how she gets from here to, like, naming a kid after him. I can't. Him. That makes no sense to me. If I was, like, because not even Leia. Because, like, maybe Leia has some sort of breakthrough and is, like, okay, I understand that, like, Anakin Skywalker is not the same person as Darth you know, whatever. If I was Han, I'd be like, no. no. We are not naming our third-born child after this Anakin. guy. <laughs> I mean, like... Like, there is no way. I have a lot of names in the same book <laughs> that I've circled. Like, <laughs> it is not going to be Literally Anakin. countless other choices. Yeah. Like, we're not doing that. What about Han Jr.? <laughs> like, yeah, does, anything. Anything is better. Anything else. We could, you know, anything... Yeah. I mean, you named Jane and Jason stuff. Interesting. I think those are, for some reason, I think those Corelli names are I think, not I think Jaina is actually Han's mother's name. Right. Yes. I do think that's true. And then Jason just sounds like that. So that's probably why they went yeah. with that. Yeah. I don't know what, I mean, maybe that was a rough pregnancy and she's just like, we're naming it. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I mean, Han has been real checked out the whole way through. I mean, Han is barely a character. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, there was one thing that I really liked about, I mean, there's a lot of things, obviously a lot of things I liked about this book. One of them was that Chewbacca has a point of view. Yes. In this book. She's not just treating Chewbacca like a big doggy. He's actually no, he like, has thoughts stuff. and emotions and a character. And Oh, there's one part that I did like where, three, where Han dresses 3PO up as a stormtrooper to sneak him somewhere. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> It was great. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah. It was a great moment. Yeah. And I mean, the, I, I, we mentioned it before, but I guess we could talk a little bit more. Like, the villains were so good in this. Yeah. Like, the, um, the gov, the imperial governor guy ended up being like a real Bond villain kind of guy. I felt like the, I felt like the parasites and the food. And yeah, that was like all of that gross. was like very good, but also had kind of a James Bond feeling to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, and he, it, it was sort of a spy within our midst kind of like in yeah. the beginning, you didn't, you sort of knew that he was, you know, maybe a little more imperial, but then you didn't know like how duplicitous he was, and yeah. he had designs on the girl, and you know, all that kind yeah, of. He was sort of a Bond villain, yeah. So he was great. The creature, the aliens, oh, were so they scary. were so scary and so evil and so hateful. Like when you yeah. get the full picture of what they're doing with that, like their their thing is very like Doctor Who. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I how, was thinking yeah, that like, too. I was like, this is a Doctor Who alien for sure. Yeah, like the like they're a little bit like Cyberman, like Cyberman, a little bit like yeah. just like various like Doctor Who alien villains. But the like what they're doing, like the 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 process, and the idea of yeah. horror existing at the boundary between like human and machinery worked really yeah. really well, and definitely had some echoes of like the like new Doctor Who series, like nine yeah. and ten. Yeah, it was. Yeah, right. It was, it was really terrifying and very, very effective. And, and I ended up really like, emotionally invested in Dev and his yeah, arc. I was heart like I knew he was going to die, and I was like heartbroken. Yeah. But it also like he was handled so much better than like Kip Duran was handled. Yes, I, I was. I was thinking, and it's a similar thing, right? Yeah, like he's another he's young, very force sensitive, very very tragic background. Ends up yeah. on the wrong side, has done a lot of damage, um, yeah. but there's a completely yeah, different yeah. resolution. Right, and and so he comes out so much more sympathetic and 
you know, and I wonder too, like just structurally, like right that like Jedi Academy these three books that sort of drag on yeah. for quite a while, and the fact that this is so compact and and that you get this new character right that we haven't seen who does not show up in any of the books because he's dead, yeah, and and is yet has a clear arc and a clear character and is so you get so emotionally invested in, I think is like something we rarely see. Yeah. Usually, I mean, most authors I feel like are reluctant to give as much time and attention to characters outside, like the established main characters as Kathy tires gives to Gary L and Dev. And I mean, I care a lot more about Dev than I do about Gary L, but I did think that we got to see a lot of interesting stuff about Bakora through Gariel. Yes, through Gariel. Like, yeah. really, if I were going to make one big change to the book, it would be not to bring Han and Leia. I would just want to do, like, Dev, yeah. Luke, and Gariel yeah. as, like, yeah, the I think story. Right. That, you know, I, I was happy to see, like, Leia headbutt a dude. Like, yeah, like, she was, she was cool. She did fine. Like, do stuff. But I think you're right that, you know, you could even pare it down yeah. further and, and just say, you know what, Luke, this is Luke's, like, arc of coming to terms with his position as, like, the only Jedi, right? His position as someone who, yeah. you know, thought of himself as, as potential maybe love interest to this woman who turns out to be related to him, right? That, like, there's this very complicated... You know, he finds himself in a very complicated situation at at the sort of end. Right. But, Um, like, he goes out and he finds out that he can connect with people, that he can make a difference, that he can't, you know, it's still, like, gross. There is a a future to this. And I I do think it's an interesting, you know, sort of thinking about, back to Luke, but thinking about Luke as a a problematic character throughout this journey we've had. Um, the, The problem with Luke that I've sort of come to the conclusion with the sort of overarching problem is that his arc ends in Jedi, right? That, right. Like, that is the end. We've, we've sort of come full term, you know, come full circle, you know, come to terms with Luke as a character and he, you know, faces his father and he faces the villains and, and that is the end, right? And so what do you do with that after, right? And it's sort of the, I think what the last Jedi movie is grappling with, right? And I think why it's so effective is that it, it is questioning, like, what use are you in this Right. New Your world, story's right? over. Right. You're done and, and we need to focus on these other characters. So, you know, you know, I think in a very interesting meta way, that movie really like challenges our perceptions of what Luke could be after his story is kind of over. And I think what this book does really successfully is to say like, yes, he is like, there is an end that happened. Right. And so how do you deal with the sort of fallout of that end? Right. That it's not that Luke is taking on like, rebuilding the new Jedi, right? Like, he's not building a Jedi Academy or, like, trying to find Jedi or, like, coming up with some kind of huge project that sustains him for another, you know, 20 books or whatever. He's just like, okay, the day after this happens, there are still issues that I have to deal with, right? Right. I have to wake up and, like, be challenged by things. But, like, and it seems like he's aware on some level that part of why he's, like, rushing into a new mission is that he doesn't really know who he is now either. Like, he also kind of feels like his story ended in Jedi, right? Yeah. He's, like, not sure what (laughs) What to do. do (laughs) The credits rolled, guys. Like, I don't know... I don't know what happens yeah. now. Um, but yeah, but like, yeah. 
But I did. I was never actually noted. And there was one part, and I, I cannot overstate that part of why this works so well is that it is not trying to follow the structure of a typical Star Wars movie, that it is laid yeah. out yeah. like a book. And like there, a book, yeah. And there was one part where there was a confrontation where the Syru come into a cantina to try to, like, take Luke. And Gariel's there, and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. like, take Luke, take Gariel, let's go. Right. And Luke's just about to start fighting with them. Gariel's kind of ducked down next to him, and then, like, a, the chapter ends. And then in the, ne- the next chapter starts, and it's still the same scene from Luke's perspective. And I was just like, oh, thank God, you know? Yeah, we're still here. We're still <laughs> here. This is a suspenseful, interesting moment, and it gets to keep happening, because usually we would either cut completely to a different storyline – which is how we ended up right. spending a hundred years reading about Jason and Jaina in a zoo. Or we would cut <laughs> oh God, right. to like the same scene from, or it would, or to, it would switch to Gariel's perspective, right? And we would get like most right. of the same events from a different character's perspective. But we didn't do either one of those things. We just stuck with the most interesting character's perspective and the most interesting action. And it was right. so nice. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it Apparently, this it book really is like worked. not a favorite in the really Star not? Wars Legends. Like, it's not. I mean, I guess wait, people are readers are more interested in like the space battles, and right? Sort of. There's very little like, of that. There's not much. But of that them. was another thing I really liked was that it wasn't one of those that resolved without the heroes and the villains ever encountering each other. Right? Like Luke right, does like they face to face, face yeah. to face, fight and kill the Cyru. He comes back and like everyone face to face, Alliance guys versus Imperial yeah. guys. That Imperial guy cuts That's off his insignia and defects and stuff. Right? It's, it is much more on the interpersonal than the like, remote political. It doesn't feel like I'm watching other people play Risk. And I feel like that's what was yeah. going on in the Thrawn books, was just, like, me oh, that, watching yeah. other people play Risk. Play Risk. Strategia. <laughs> um, and I think, too, and I, I don't want to say this is, like, a blanket statement, because I'm not sure it's true, and we have a lot of books to go through that I think don't fit this description. But I do think there's some... And, like, I, Crystal Star is a outlier like crystal star doesn't do this but i think there's something to be said about anchoring the story to something concrete from the world that we already are very familiar with so like the han solo trilogy like we know that han had a past right we know it's leading to something and we know certain things in his past right have to happen right Right. that certain pieces have to move in a certain way and the same with this and sort of the opposite way is that like we're butted up against an event that we all know extremely well. Like we don't need any introductions. We don't need any explanations as to what happened the day before. Right. We don't like, have we to catch just, up on where our characters are or how right, they feel we can about just things. Jump into this novel without any like explanation or like too much description or setting the scene. Right. We already know where we are immediately. Yeah. And it just goes. Like it. it I you know I was texting this morning about how this book just like just starts like it just jumps off and just goes and we there's no sort of like lead up to what is actually going to happen it just happens yeah i feel like that makes sense yeah i feel like the book started on a really interesting kind of note where it's like it almost felt like it's slowly like panning in to where we are because it starts with yeah above a dead world one habitable moon hung suspended like a cloud veiled turquoise 
The eternal hand that held the chain of its orbit had dusted its velvet backdrop with brilliant stars, and cosmic energies danced on the wrinkles of space-time, singing their timeless music, neither noticing nor caring for the Empire, the Rebel Alliance, or their brief petty wars. But on that petty scale, and then we pick up with our characters, but there's this, like, sort of moment where you start with the largeness of it all, and how, like, actually... None of this in the grand scheme of the things means anything, right? This is all. And then that's also how it ends because at the end, Luke does this sort of like space funeral for, for Dev where they like, you know, sort of like Viking style. They jettison his body from the Falcon, like as they're leaving the atmosphere. And so he like is incinerated. And, um, it says, uh, as the Falcon accelerated heavenward, Dev's body plummeted toward Bakora. It finished burning clean and brightly down through the planet's high atmosphere. Luke stared at the meteor, a momentary flash of brilliance, like all life. Nothing really in the sweep of time, but everything in the force. Like, yeah. That is gorgeous. Like, it's that gorgeous. is a yeah, beautiful is really way to bookend this. Yeah. And so the opposite of, like, and I know. <laughs> pounding really hard on the Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> like, but the Thrawn trilogy, I feel like, is just always, like, out, right? It's always looking at too many things. Yeah, well, right? I appreciate, like, the idea of, like, yes, if what you're interested in is, like, time, the universe, and everything, then sure, none of this means anything. But, like, to the people right. in it, it is so, right. it, it does means so much, something. right? Yeah. And Luke says that, a, he, there's a moment in the beginning of this book, which I only just remembered, um, where there's some quarter, sort of, like, Maybe it's not the beginning. Maybe it's like a little bit of a ways in. But there's some sort of battle, and he loses like one of the members of the Rebel Alliance, one of the fleet members. And he's like, "Thank God it was in Wedge, but that guy is somebody, and he means something to somebody, and like he will be mourned, he will be missed. Like there is meaning in his death, even though I don't necessarily right feel that right. And so I think that's like sort of a microcosm of of the maybe themes of this book that you pointed out, which I didn't realize it sort of bookended, but it's really beautiful, right? That that all these things that are happening are very meaningful to the people that are happening to them. But in the sort of larger, bigger picture, you know, this is just a thing that's happening in this sort of huge universe. And there are things happening in other places in the galaxy that are equally as important and equally as meaningful to the people or the aliens, right, that are experiencing them. We're just focused on this, like, one moment. But we are focused. Right. right? We, we are stay with it. Yeah. In this moment. <laughs> and, and I think I mean, that's really successful. Yeah. And Kathy Tires also wrote... um Ula's tale in right. Tales from Dawn's yeah. Palace, and I sort of see parallels between Ula's tale and the way Dev is handled in this book, yeah. where they're both these sort of like young, naive characters who were taken advantage of, and now it's hopeless, right? Like, right. they are. Like, this is it. It's yeah. over. It's basically hopeless. And on some level, like, they know it's hopeless. They're both either literally or metaphorically, like, chained to a overpowerful like grotesque alien that's going to destroy them and it's sort of like this moment between like being doomed and actually dying where like what is what is that emotional space like what is that what what potential what potential is left for you in that in that time it's really interesting because it's also luke right that's right that potential in both of them right that that Luke sort of and and Ula's tale, I think it's it's less of a sort of like outwardly emotional thing, but he does make these connections of like this person or this alien right is important, the sentient is important, their life means something, and I'm going to 
try my best in the like few moments that they have left to like make it count. Yeah. You know, and that's the best of Luke, I think. Yeah. And I think that's why maybe Luke is not as terrible <laughs> as he is in others is because like we actually are seeing him as a sympathetic, empathetic, yeah. like I mean like Luke is a sweetheart who believes in people. And I feel right. like most of the time, believes in, right, the worst of people, right, right, like you like, can see the good in the and, most, and most of the time. It makes him seem like a moron, but <laughs> right. in, the, in the delicate <laughs> hand of Kathy Tires, right, he, he seems, seems like, like a, a sweetheart, principled yeah. idealist, right? Like he knows, like he knows how hard it would be. He knows how unlikely it is, but he still right. tries, like for everyone. Yeah. And like that yeah. is great. <laughs> that is the best Luke. Yeah, that's the best Luke we have is, is the Luke who, you know, who tries to find. Yeah, he's just like believing in. He just wants. Right. And believing that people can be saved, right? Because he just saw that yeah. as complicated and as like, like, he's maybe still... problematic as that is. Like he just saw that happen. And so for him, you know, it, it's like if my father can have some kind of redemption, like, of course Dev can come back from this and I can raise him as my sweet angel and we will restart the Jedi together. Like, he he just, he seems, it's it's much more delicately handled, his sort of, like, optimism and yeah. his and even when, sense of... Like, because the medic guy is like, this kid's definitely going to die. And Luke's like, but maybe yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, Luke's like, but he, but, and like, of course Luke knows he is because he's a Jedi and he can sense... And even with his own self, right? Because like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, in the beginning of the book, right? He He's like, die, like he's got radiation poison. Like he's just yeah. electricity problems. Like he is a mess of a human. And the medic's like, we'll put you in the back to take. And he's like, no. <laughs> like, he's I, like, I'll be fine. Like, I I'll hate be back to tanks. <laughs> yeah, apparently back to leaves a really strange taste in your mouth. Because he's like, after I was in the back to tank in Empire Strikes Back, the movie I was in. It tasted <laughs> terrible. Like, yeah, like I smelled it for a week or something like yeah, that. Yeah, apparently it stays in your system for like oh, a really it re- my, it re- Yeah, like it made me think that Bacta is like liquid lidocaine or something like that. Yeah, like you can is, like super gross. Like, in mouth. yeah, I had like a thing where yeah. I had to like drink liquid lidocaine because I had like gotten a thing stuck in my throat. And at the hospital, or it was just emergency room, but at the emergency room, they're like, you have to drink this. It's disgusting. And it's so, yeah. <laughs> like, there was one nurse. Lie to me. <laughs> there was, like, one nurse who gave it to me and another nurse who came just to watch me have to drink it because it's so gross. Oh, my God. And they like to watch and laugh at the people who are drinking it. <laughs> like, Terrible. Like, they, were just, oh God. they were just cracking up. Like, they thought it was hysterical. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I was thinking of with Bacta. That they're just like, like here. <laughs> it's horrifying. Let me watch you. <laughs> put you in a diaper and watch you in this gross it stuff. It made me think that like nobody voluntarily gets into a Bacta tank. Like you are unconscious <laughs> and someone tosses you into the Bacta tank. Like you don't like I have a bruise, let me get in the Bacta tank. Like, no, you, no, 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 no. And then you wake up with a scoop of mask and a diaper on. <laughs> No, you are out. You are like death's door. And that's when you get in the back to tank. Yeah. And somebody just like plops you in, <laughs> plops you in there. <laughs> like throwing you into a pool. Like, this is the best we can do for you. <laughs> yeah, but if you have a broken arm or like, you're like you've been, you know, you're con- if you're in any way conscious, you're like, like no. you are not getting into the back to tank. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I would rather. 
Thank you very much. You look ridiculous, first of all, and also it's disgusting. It's just <laughs> terrible. I did like that doctors are sometimes people in this book. They have yeah, a doctor person. People are not droids. That's true. Oh man, remember like Young Jedi Knights when like there's kids were just like in the hospital with droids, or in, and nobody else, or like a living room. Love interests. <laughs> they were like in a living room and back to tanks with their loving, their teenage love interests, <laughs> staring at them, staring at them while their like while their parents went drinking. Ago. I don't know. I feel like after well, their parents. <laughs> not barely knew they were there. We have to get back to those eventually. Like, there's only three yeah, left. Yeah, those eventually. Yeah, I definitely, again, I say, for those few people out there who are following us intently, if you have suggestions of what we should be doing next. Yeah, well, I know we're doing, well, we're doing no. Sh- Shadow of the Empire, whatever that is Shadow next. Shadow Empire and next. People yeah. have talked about that, and like, okay, yeah. let's do that next. So that'll be a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's when I... I I definitely read I, that because I remember. I read that one and I remember. I remember like, so little height. about it, but I remember that at some point, Zizor takes a bath and thinks about like what a hottie he is. And yeah, I, that, I think there is. And maybe I'm remembering this as a, like when I read this as a kid and I'm thinking like this, this is more than it is, but I feel like there's some sort of like sexual tension between him and Leia. He's definitely trying to sleep with Leia. Like, that's his yeah. goal. He's like, I am going to seduce Leia. It's going to be great. Yeah. I also remember Dash Randar, who's like the Han stand-in, because Han's in Carbonite throughout this whole book, that so we don't have Han. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember, like, I, it was a big deal that this book came out. There was, a, like, a soundtrack that was released. And, like, a game? A game, yeah, which I do have. And and if anyone's interested in <laughs> me playing this game... It was for N64, Shadow of the Empire. I don't think I got past, like, a level because I'm just not... Unless it's Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. What kind of a game is it? That's a great question. (laughs) I think it's, like... I remember being in an X-Wing. So is it, like, Galaga? Like, Mario? Or... No, because it was N64, so it was, like, a little more advanced than that. But I think there were, like, different levels and you were, like, different places. But you were mostly in a ship? question mark i don't know this is like crash bandicoot wikipedia says it's primarily a third person shooter so if it's a third person shooter on n64 it's like doom or something like that yeah i yeah it's sort of doom did you okay this is a throwback okay (laughs) but we talked about yoda stories yes for sure yeah um which is a wonderful game that everybody should cannot recommend enough but I also had, and I don't know why I had this, I had, like, a hard-cased set of, like, CD-ROM games that you would play for your PC uh-huh. that were, like, demo games for Star Wars. Okay. And there was one that was, like, a third-person shooter where you were, like, a dude, and maybe it was called The Old Republic. That sounds like a real thing. But I remember being in, like, some sort of basement. It was very Doom. It was super Doom. Yeah. You, like, had to find, like, health. And I had a blaster. Maybe a lightsaber also. Huh. If anyone remembers, like, mid-90s PC Star Wars games. Yeah. I didn't didn't have that. All of my... But then I had Yoda stories. And I also had Star Wars Monopoly for the PC. I had Yoda stories. I think... Might have had Star Wars Monopoly for the PC as well. Most of my early PC games were either The Sims, 
which I would right. I would well, play yeah, until it yeah, froze yeah. my computer. I'd shut down everything else running on the computer, yep. but still, mm-hmm. when I tried to go into town for hot yep. date sims, it would still freeze. And um, <laughs> other than that, just like game games, like I had Wheel of Fortune for my computer oh. and Jeopardy for my computer and the Game of Life for my computer. And I hated losing <laughs> so much that when I played Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy, I would tell the computer that there were three people playing, give the other two players <laughs> names of people I did not like, and then only <laughs> answer questions myself. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> we had Oregon Trail. I think for DOS, because most of my games when we were really young were in DOS. And I play Oregon Trail and I would put like my family members in the wagon. So it'd be like me, my mom and dad, my sister and our dog. (laughs) My sister would get so upset because most of the time everyone would die. (laughs) And she really felt that like when her character died in Oregon Trail, it was like her personally like, like she's personally offended like you should have taken that more seriously yeah or like just disturbed by the fact she's three years younger than me just disturbed by the fact that like i was the last one and like <laughs> you, know? you kept letting everyone else die first well, i used to i i had i didn't have the first oregon trail i'm pretty sure i had i don't or- think it was the first one yeah, i think i, I had like oregon trails like two three and four they got pretty sophisticated i guess but on the last oregon trail game i had which might have even been five it was like they would give you they would decide how much how much land you got in oregon based on like the successfulness of your trip like there was just like a guy oh. in an office in oregon who would like <laughs> give you a score how did you know <laughs> <laughs> he would like give you a scorecard for like how well you did as a leader on the uh-huh. oregon trail to decide how many acres of farmland you got in oregon and i think i had that one too that sounds familiar and the last criteria was like how long it took you to get to oregon and <laughs> Every single time he said the same thing, which was, it took you an awfully long time to get here. But it didn't. That's the point. Like, it, it what did you want it. me to do? And like, I would play games of Oregon Trail just trying to get to Oregon as fast as I could. Be like, forget everything else. All I want is to hear this guy say something. I will like, I would get all the oxen. I would barely feed people. I would set a grueling pace. I would just like kick sick people out of the wagon. And, like, I'd get there. And die. And he'd just be like, it took you an awfully long time to get here. Yeah, but isn't that the point? I would think of in Waiting for Guffman when they talk about the history of Blaine and Missouri where they're like, they just saw like the Mississippi River and they're like, we're here. <laughs> we're just going to stop. Like, we made it to Oregon. <laughs> Because it, it took like months to get to Oregon. So long. Also, in that version of Oregon Trail, you could get to Salt Lake City and quit if you wanted to. Like when you got, to I definitely s- must have played that because that sounds really familiar. When you got to Salt Lake I City, they were never... like, "Do you want to give up now?" <laughs> the last, like, what river was it? The like last river that you had to like get through to get to Oregon. I always oh the wagon the wagon flip. always crashed. Like we're practically there. Like let's just call this Oregon. <laughs> we'll just stay on this river. <laughs> that Oregon. river was huge. Also I it, mean 
Anytime I tried to cock the wagons and float, it was a mistake. That was the biggest decision, I feel like, as a child. was like, are you going to cock the wagon or are you going to float it? <laughs> like, that is the question. We need to, like, get a copy of Oregon Trail and play it together. Oh, my God. I would die. <laughs> I would love it. So, but it has to be, like, not the first version, like, No, like, four or five. I mean, they're probably the on Oregon Trail 27 by now. <laughs> no, I would, I would love it so much. That game was the best. Yeah. The best yeah. So that's aside who, from Sims. Oh God, Sims. I was obsessed with Sims. So that's who we were. Uh, loving Star yeah, Wars. I, I feel like that's a lot. Of that us. gives you a lot of context for like <laughs> where we were going into Shadows of the Empire the first time around. Because like, what yeah, the- that was like my state of mind. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Hawk or Ford the wagon. <laughs> and then when that's over. And then like, oh, get, I have off, a very get off the computer memory. and go to bed. Read some Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I have a really vivid memory of being in an FYE. Is that what we called it? Yep. Okay. Um, that's where I bought all my music and DVDs when I had a job yes. in high school. At the mall. And going in there and seeing the Shadows of the Empire like CD. They, like, wrote music for a book. <laughs> we gotta get some of that music. We gotta play some but of that. I don't know if John... Also, FYI, FYE, <laughs> um, John Williams is who Kathy Tires dedicates this book to. That is so sweet. I love Kathy really Tires. adorable. Yeah. Yeah, she says, I can't think of Star Wars without remembering the opening fanfare from a soundtrack. I can't imagine an Imperial Desto- Star Destroyer's long, triangular silhouette without hearing ominous triplet rhythms. And who can picture the Moss Eisley Cantina without the uh, inimitable jazz band? It is with grateful admiration that I dedicate this novel to the man who composed the musical scores for the three Star Wars movies, John Williams. That's adorable. That's so sweet. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, this book is great. Yeah, anyway, this is great. Sorry. <laughs> no, this, no, this book is great. And now you've got like some really good context for where we are headed in Shadow of the Empire. Yes. Yeah, this is where we're going for Shadow of the Empire. I, I feel like I... I I don't really remember, like, the plot of this book, but I remember, like, very vivid. I feel like I'm confused about what's – I'm going to, like – this is going to be one of those where I think I know what's going on, and I'm going to go in and be like, oh, I don't know anything. For those of you who don't know anything about Shadows of the Empire, this is the book that takes place between Empire and Jedi. Yes. Which I think is, like, a six- to nine-month period. It's, like, substantial, but not – like, I think between – a New Hope and Empire is like three years or something. Yeah, and it was launched as like a multimedia event. So yeah, which it, is very it, very new for that point in Like time, George Lucas was very hands-on for yeah. it. And it was supposed – it was part of like building hype for the re-release, the theatrical right. release of the special editions. Of the, of the special edition, yeah. And he – like, Zizor, is that his name? Yes. Zizor had, like, action figures, and, like, this book was pretty, sort of, like, um, there was a lot of, like, extra stuff you could buy and do in relation to this book. In a way that the earlier, uh, I, I mean, I think Thrawn and, like, some character, and Marjade, obviously, some characters yeah. from the earlier books got picked up. But I think that was in sort of the wake of Shadows of the Empire. Like, Shadows of the Empire really, like, we're going to merchandise this in a way that I think the others were not quite done. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. No, I, I think know. that's... That was, like, there was a thing later with a game that was kind of similar. But, yeah, like, this was... 
Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like multimedia. Right. You're right. Multimedia. There was like an internet thing, I think, too, which is like quite early. For, yeah. There was a book, a soundtrack, a game, an online yeah. thing. So. Oh, what if we find like the old website for it? Oh, that could be fun. There's like, I know when. um I don't think it's going to be like the website for Space Jam or anything where it's still like untouched after all this time. Yeah, when Kumail Nanjiani was doing his X-Files Files podcast, I think he found the old website for X-Files and it was still like very old school, like late 90s website. And like, I really hope when we Google, it's like old school. Yeah, there are training cards, action figures. Yeah, they really made a big deal of this book. And I guess I don't really know how well it was received like as a book. It's pretty well received. I, think, I mean, I know it's that's well a good thing about us doing this podcast as we are. We're so like we're still in our alone in our rooms in 1995. Like we don't know what that's anyone so else true. is saying about anything. Yeah, we're not doing a whole lot of like, <laughs> my impressions of these books are mostly like either what I remember or what I briefly Google. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes people on Twitter like tell me if things are good or bad, and that helps me. Okay. Like, and I just take those things as gospel. So, like, if two pe- if I see two people tweet it, I'll be like, "That's what everyone thinks." One thinks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know like. And I think it's also mostly based on, like, what characters have been yeah. sort of taken up again and again. But we we see Zizor in the Han Solo trilogy, right? Yes, we do. But those, I think, are written later and after. I think, I think they're they written are. after. But or maybe in tan, like, I don't know. Written kind but of I, think that, I think that people like Shadow of the Empire. I think it was successful. I think they do. I think Zizor is considered one of the, like... I think he's a good character. Big villains of the of the expanded universe. He's got um, some. I feel like Dash Rendar comes up a bunch. He's got Zizor. I was just looking at the cover. His he goes to the same manicurist as Father Blackwood on Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Father Blackwood! I could do a podcast about Father Blackwood. Oh my gosh! Sure. Uh, we need to. I've watched Sabrina. Definitely. I mean, Got it. and the, the Christmas special was really an experience. Like, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, he's a, a lot to deal with emotionally. Father Blackwood. Father Blackwood is a really good, a really good villain. Yeah, and he's got great nails. Yeah, Zizor. Yeah, Zizor has like great nails and a really good pony. Like, yeah, he's got a top knot. I mean, it's all pony. Like, I think it's pony. I think it's only pony. I think he shaved everything outside the pony, which is a very bold yeah. look. Yeah, but like great, and he's he's green. He's green. Yeah, or like a little green, like oh, just a, like a smidge, like a, a, <laughs> just a, a hint reptilian. He's just got like a little green bit of undertone, just like a slight yeah. filter. Yeah, he. Yeah, he. My image like, of him is like he's clear. like he's like green, like me if I wear yellow and stand under a fluorescent light. Like yeah, yeah, he's got like a hint of green. Yeah, he's. I, I remember he's pretty good. Yeah, and it's an interesting. It, it'll be an interesting because I don't. We haven't read a book that takes place in the middle no. of. We haven't read any of those yet. Yeah, so. it'll be good. So yeah, join. All right. So see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you would like more information, please check out our website, adolescenceafteralderon.wordpress.com for show notes and info about upcoming episodes. We're also on Twitter, after underscore Alderon. We're on Instagram, Adolescence After Alderon. And if you would like to touch base with us, ask questions, participate in the conversation, you can email us at adolescenceafteralderon at gmail.com. Thanks so much. 